to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. Hey, after your birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks, man. I just want you guys to know that I uh, went to the store. I have this uh, like allergy to, to colognes, almost all of them, but I went to the store. And Except this, for the Essence of Steven. I was going to say they had this new <laughs> cologne scent called the Essence of Steven. <laughs> I wasn't allergic to it all. It didn't smell good, but I, I wasn't allergic to it. <laughs> it's, all, it's all organic. <laughs> yeah. It's all natural. It's all natural. It's all natural. <laughs> it's all natural. Uh, don't, shower, so I, don't shower for about a week. <laughs> on, a, on a side note, I've heard more people lately say, you know, I think, I think, um, marijuana should be legal because it's it's not wrong to like take in something that's natural of the earth and i'm always like mm. but there's so many natural things on the earth that would kill you yes yeah. so <laughs> let's all roll around on poison ivy like it just doesn't True, you know doesn't make it's a lot wrong. of sense which is no, why natural which is why like miller told us they you know make delta eight yeah so it's not <laughs> it's not actually of the earth I've heard a I've heard a, a interesting take politically, not like from a Christian perspective, Christian worldview at all, but an interesting take lately on um on both psychedelics and marijuana um, as a case that they shouldn't be illegal. Um, and it's interesting that most of the people who make a case that I've heard for psychedelics are actually intellectuals. <laughs> I um, heard somebody on CNBC the other day that say. Weren't psychedelics the first metaverse? Why are, why are we trying to create a, a new metaverse? Like, can't you already go into another world? That's really funny. That's really funny. Um, and I think there's, I, I just think it's an interesting conversation. I think there's been so long where we have like, and just had the conversation from one filtered perspective. Yeah. Um, like now, I feel like it's almost like when, when, like the the left media now says, well, the science is changing, so we should unmask. Like <laughs> knowing that they're only saying that because they're losing in the polls. But like, I feel like it's kind of like that. Like when all the things we heard about um, doing doing different drugs growing up was all from the filter of like one one perspective. You mm -hmm. know, and I'm obviously not for doing drugs. I just don't like being I don't like being sold a lie because it's political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. You know what I mean? So like, if it really is true, I want to know about it. But like, some of the things that they said. Um, like in uh, what was it called? Dare growing up. Yeah, they've actually shown that some of that stuff is not actually true. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was just part of a political um, push that someone had in the, in the the war against drugs. That yeah, was that was their way to like uh, the, the the like starting of something like Dare was like the part of the political campaign they were doing. So, and I'm sure there's a lot of it was true. I mean, sure, it's it's not it's not healthy to do any of that stuff. Period. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like smoke, frying it's, an egg. Exactly. That's what they've shown is to yeah. be is to be like different. Like yeah. that that one I think was one of the ones they've yeah. shown not to be true. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Well, it's what's funny about it is that you have it's kind of a little bit the way that we talk about sex as well, is that like there's this idea of you're taught your whole life condemning something and then you get you get you get introduced to a level of teaching or something that is saying, Hey, that's okay in this one circumstance. So for instance, marijuana. Like there are instances where there's miracle, 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 <laughs> Med <laughs> miracle medicine. That's right. Crazy miracles. <laughs> Medical marijuana where like you're, it's condemned your entire life. And then what and happens? They prescribe it. Yeah. What happens if you have to take it? So then you're every day waking up thinking like you're, I don't, I don't know how you take medical med do you smoke medical Most, medical i think a lot of them do oh, yeah. okay so so you're having you're, you're rolling a joint or whatever and you're like you're doing it for your own health you're prescribed this and you're thinking like i'm the worst human being ever because it's been you're going you went to those after school programs your whole life and then it's been condemned mm -hmm. and shoved in your face that only terrible people do these things and now you're prescribed it by your doctor mm -hmm. and you're you're doing it for the betterment of your health and, and maybe the flip side of that is like how how cigarettes were just a normal part of culture mm -hmm. for so long and then they found out they're pretty terrible for you <laughs> absolutely you know I mean? yeah. so like it's it's i think it works both ways yeah for sure where you you i mean this is what we've been talking about a lot just in, in conversations with us like we wish more people would just stop and think for themselves rather than mm -hmm. rather than just like take whatever narrative someone sells them and, right. and run with it my favorite part of dare was when they brought the dog to school i love seeing that drug dog so much because they would sniff all of our backpacks. And I was like, I wonder if somebody has drugs in their backpack. <laughs> like, which, with, they never found drugs. But part of me looking back thinks like, 
But that would have been terrible if they found my, drugs. So like brother, one of the third graders' backpacks. Oh like, gosh. just been the worst. My brother used to be in Border Patrol. He's nice now. But mm -hmm. he, uh, he said in, in Border Patrol, there were times when the, the drug dogs would sniff out a car and, like, find something. And they would dig through the car and not find anything. But they had kitty litter oh. in the car. And so, for whatever reason, something, it, like... It, it it was similar for the dogs. So well, uh, kitty litter covers some of those scents too. So maybe maybe that's what it is. Yeah, so I was telling the boys about that one day and snored it. And so Aiden Aiden was like, I'm gonna start putting kitty litter in a Ziploc bag in my bag to see if the drug dogs will come. <laughs> that's come funny. Out. I can see Aiden saying that. That's totally Aiden. They were also this is also my son who when it was like crazy cold last month, um at school, they were standing on the sidewalk waiting to get picked up after school. Him and his friends apparently were standing in a line, like four or five of them. And it was so cold, you know, like your breath looks like vapor. And so they were holding their hand up to their mouth, like with a fist and like holding holding to their mouth. And then they pull it down and blow. And it looked like they were vaping. So this teacher comes running over, screaming at him to give the, to give her their vapes. Oh, that's he funny. He said one of his friends <laughs> did it, pulled his hand down and blew and then hold it opened his hand up to show there was nothing in it. She said she got pissed. Because <laughs> she got embarrassed. She got humiliated. Yeah. Yeah. Typical, yeah. typical pastor kids. That's actually... <laughs> wow. Actually, to be fair, that's typical Micah's kid. That's yeah. true. Not part of your system. All, your I, know, all I know is Hot that if, dog, mar man. if marijuana becomes legal... The Garden Audio is going to be rebranded, and we're going to have to move the it building. It can't be the Garden. Anyway. The, the fields will be plentiful. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I think right. uh, it, it'll be the Garden still, but you have to say it like it's the a different Garden. 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 <laughs> oh gosh, That's funny. Well, hey, let's go to the PCC, everybody. <laughs> hey. hey, it's oh, it's so good to have you here. Welcome, welcome. Make yourselves comfortable. Oh, Colin felt I feel like uh, taking a picture. Of being in the corner? No, it's a matchless photography. Account. Oh, that's right, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Good shout out. Thank you, matchless, for these great Dr. Peppers. I feel Peppers. like matchless photography, pro bono, should do a photography shoot with Dr. <laughs> with Dr. Yes. Pepper cans just for simpler. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. We need it. Hey, matchless, what do you think about that? Let us know. Colin. So in today in the PCC. Not call in. Call in. <laughs> call in, <Yeah>. Colin. <laughs> We're waiting. Oh, look, I'm getting a call right That's now. That's right. Waiting for you, Colin. Because, you know, we record this live. <laughs> right. Uh, today on the PCC, I have. But we do record it live. We do record it live. <laughs> they don't, it doesn't air live. <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, record it dead. Uh, I was trying to, never mind. So. This has an awkward story connected to it, but my question for you guys and my overarching PCC is should books like movies and TV shows and those types of things have ratings attached to it? And my awkward story is don't they? Uh, they, so, so they, don't they? they don't actually. So I did, I, really? I did a quick Google search. So I didn't do a super deep dive. Oh, audiobooks. Do audiobooks have a, have a rating? Um, I've seen how. Actually, maybe not. I've seen on, now that you bring that up, I need to check my app because sometimes it'll say like 14 plus or something like that on there, but it's so small, man. Like it's not like, a, it doesn't say like rating, it's not like a part of the list of things you need to know. It's just something off in the corner. So I'll double check. And if you guys listening or watching know if books have ratings that are more known, let me know. But I know that you can Google a book and it'll say not suggested for this age group because of this, this, this. And like, you can Google things, but you know, I mean, you pick up, I mean, nowadays you're not really picking up DVDs as much, but if you were to pick up a movie back in the day, the rating would be in the back right-hand corner and you would see why it's rated that. You'd see why it's rated PG-13, why it's rated R. Same things with with music. If it Video has- Video games, those kinds yeah, of Yeah, if you yeah. pick, you pick, you see any sort of rating, you see why on That's the cover somewhere books on there. Aren't. Books aren't on there. And the reason why I bring it up, and I don't know if I'm an advocate necessarily one way or the other. I think books- have more of a stigma attached to it, probably with those types of things because they've been censored more often than not, or more often than the other forms of entertainment in the past. And so people are probably not as apt to rate them because they think, well, we're being censored. I think it's just like the public know what is in it. So case of point, for me, mainly for me, I would have read this book regardless. Uh, I think it was a very interesting book. It was called The Circle. It was, it was a very interesting take on social media, on technology, on privacy as very, very interesting, all written in a, from a fiction perspective. But um, 
oh boy, was there a lot more sex than I thought there would be. <laughs> like, and by a lot more sex than I thought there would be, I thought there would be zero sex. <laughs> right. And so because there was like, there was only like three what sex that, scenes. What does that look like when you're reading? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know because that's not something I do. So like, I was listening. <coughs> oh, yeah. So okay. listening, was it was awkward. you like reading. Like, you know, like if you're watching a movie and something bad, because I mean, I don't know how you guys do it, but like if there's something bad, you're just like, you know, skip forward yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit. I don't know that how, how that works for you guys for reading. Reading, like, I would have just turned know, the page and been like, well, like, how do you know? Do you skimmed. like? Okay, so you just go like a real fast sex scene. Yeah, that, that, I, I that's probably it more slowly. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, what's funny is that, like, honestly, to answer your question, I don't know because this is the first time I've ever had a sex scene in a book. I've, I don't. My, I, what's funny is I was talking with Hannah about it, and Hannah does a lot of like murder mystery books which are a lot, which the way she talks about them remind me a lot of like Lifetime movies. She's like, I feel like I've been more, there's been more sexual stuff in the books that I've read that, than you've read. And I'm like, well, yeah, they just feel like Lifetime movies. Of course, they're going to have like those sexual yeah. moments. Um, I read books about math and numbers and they don't have It'd be any, so funny if all of a sudden there's just like, you turn the page and it's like, boom, boom. I mean, the only time I've ever experienced that is I used, I used to buy those books they have at the grocery store with like the half naked dude on the front holding the yeah. woman in his and arms. And you know right <laughs> off the bat, you know, you know, if Fabio's on the cover, you know there's going to be sex. We've like that talks. was Steven, wasn't it? We, we've been in talks about doing some like audiobook narrating, like reading people's books and turning them into audiobooks. Sweet. We're done. We're out. <laughs> All yeah. I can imagine is like reading a book and being like, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to read. You, That's one thing. Like, how awkward is it for this guy? Like, what do you do? What's super weird too is that like, just like I shouldn't say. <laughs> I know, right? What's I, I don't know any of the how any of the people who wrote the book or were involved identify and to use today's terms. But it was a male, from my understanding, it was a male who wrote the book from a female perspective and then a male who narrated the book. So it is a female's sexual encounter that a male wrote and a male is now narrating. Yeah, that's weird. And so like, there's a lot of it, a lot of it was super duper. Anyway, so that was my awkward experience. Um, I did, I did think that story-wise, it was important to the development of the character to know that she was, getting intimate with these characters, but I could have done without the details. Um, so all that to say, I kind of wish that there was a little, hey, <laughs> there's some sex in this book. <laughs> Just so you like a little tag somewhere yeah. on the cover, somewhere in there, like, hey, 17 plus, there's some there's some graphic things in this in this novel. I like I said, I probably still I would have still listened to it. I wanted to read the book. Um, but I would have known going into it like, oh hey, she just entered into this relationship. This is probably what they're talking about. So that way I'm not all of a sudden like, oh. Caught off guard. Oh, he's inside her. Like, that's this is this. The, the, the words they used were like, I won't say I'm here. Just, Thank yeah, you. I know, right? That's as deep as I will. <laughs> Pierce. <laughs> that, that was unintentional. Pierce. <laughs> that was Pierce. completely unintentional. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but all that to say, my question is, my question is: Let's get out of this corner. Should should books have ratings? Do you guys have thoughts on that? And I'm the best. <laughs> Apparently, the answer is yes. <laughs> I'm not in this. I, I can't. I mean, I have a like. I have a. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, but I have like a very small group of authors I listen to. Yeah. None of them are like that. Yeah. Right. So like, I, I don't yeah, even know. Funny. I didn't even think it would be in that category just because it's it's under like I guess it's under sci-fi, so they're probably finance. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So like I think that's part of it was I, yeah, yeah, like this was under like sci-fi, social media, like that type of stuff. So I was just thinking this this is something that's gonna come up. So that's why I think but also with mo as I'm also thinking as a parent down the line, like with movies and music, I can spend an hour listening to a record. I can spend two hours watching a movie. I don't necessarily have the time to read a whole book before my daughter or kids read a book so I know what's in it. I think it's really helpful to read a rating thing. Well, and now that there's more people listening to books, mm -hmm. I think that that would probably be more important now. Oh, absolutely. So I think that even, I don't think that it's censoring at all. I think it helps the public. I think that you can read that rating and know, oh, this is this is for 17 years old. I don't older. understand why people would be bothered by it. It's the same, it's oh, the it's, same reason you'd have a rating on a movie or, or, or a video game or, or video anything. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, just like, I mean, yeah, no parent's going to play a six 60 hour plus video game to know if it's safe for their kid to play, but they can see the mature rating and be like, no, you're not going to play this, buddy. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, yeah. I'm well, we, we have family Spotify, mm -hmm. uh, because you put me onto that Micah and well, y'all both have been telling me I need to be on Spotify forever, but we'll see how they do with Joe Rogan coming up and we'll decide if we stay <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> but the, 
but I can set my kids' accounts where they can't listen to certain, you know, explicit mm-hmm. lyrics yeah. or whatever and stuff like that. And so, yeah. which is really funny yeah. because they'd still be able to listen to the Beach Boys, which still has a lot of stuff in it, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But like, yeah. I mean, it's it's less explicit. Less explicit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Hey, those are the those are the songs, you know, like not that, not Beach Boys necessarily, but like I don't know. But oh, I'm Beach just I, I'm. I'm just dating myself. Like I didn't listen to the Beach Boys necessarily oh, growing oh, up. I'm just saying, like all Wait, of I us. Thought, didn't you grow up in the '50s? Shut up. <laughs> all, all of us have those songs that, when we get older, we're like, "Oh man, yeah. I didn't know it said that." <laughs> you yeah, know, like when you loved it when you were a kid. And you're like, well, yeah. "Oh dang!" And that's what's difficult. But you can't too. really miss that in the book. I, well, and that's what I was gonna say too. Is that I think with this one, if you were to just do, if I were to take the audiobook or to take the text and just type in general keywords. I don't think you would find anything like the guy wrote it in a very clean way. There was no four letter words. There was no like typical sensual words. I mean, there was very like, there may have been some anatomically correct words used, but I, I, that's, that's the thing I was thinking is that like, you would have to rate, it'd be a weird rating skill. Cause I feel like like parental advisory stuff, it's specifically based off of how many words what, they use yeah, or whatever. What, like, yeah. The, what no, I mean, col- it could be, I feel, like it could be words. I feel like it could be, but I mean, I feel like language could be different. But movies base it off of content. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it could yeah. be the same thing. Yeah. So like this is sexual content. Well, movies actually does all of that. Like as yeah. far as I understand, like the rating system is based on language, everything, content, yeah. Yeah. gore. Yeah. Even even for like horror TV movies, shows the they may thing. not have gore, but it could still be horror content. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, you could have the same rating system for a book. Totally. I actually want to know you guys' thoughts. And if you guys have read The Circle, let me know what you guys well, thought. Well, I know, I know Amazon just got slammed by a lot of people checking out the circle that were written after your little, <laughs> no, your little were, talk. They like, were like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't know they had that in that book. <laughs> I saw that movie. Oh, man. So, yeah. Interesting stuff. Should books have ratings? I think they do. What are we talking about today, Ryan? <laughs> Nothing along those lines. Not at all. <laughs> Thank you, Pierce. Uh, so, today we're going to talk about Israel. Uh, we are going to talk about Israel, the nation, we're going to talk about Israel, the people of faith who have put faith at this point in the coming Messiah uh, from an Old Testament perspective. And we're going to talk about Israel, the disbelieving uh, parts of Israel. So kind of the three sections, uh, those who have put faith in Jesus, those who are disbelievers, and then the nation of Israel And maybe to be clear, like, I think if we're talking about Israel pre-Jesus, these are people who have put their faith in Messiah. Yeah. But specifically as God, the provider of salvation and the coming Messiah. So they wouldn't say Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Like Abraham. So like these are people who have put faith in the coming Messiah, the anointed one, uh, like Abraham did. But Ryan. Oh, here we go. God calls Israel his people. So doesn't that mean all Israelites are people of faith? Well, actually, Pierce, now that I know the kind of stuff you're reading, I understand why you ask the questions you do. (laughs) Well, actually, Pierce, uh, what did you say? (laughs) Never mind. No, you know, like, yeah, we we do that. Uh, This this could even go back to uh, something we talked about a couple of weeks back. I don't know when. sometime this month, but allegorizing the text, this mm-hmm. idea that, well, Israel is called the people of God. So therefore they're all saved. And it's a picture of Christianity or whatever. And it's, and, and what we have to understand is that Israel as a nation exists, right? There's, there is the nation of Israel that exists. Um, God chose Abraham to be the father of that nation through which the Messiah would eventually come and salvation would be brought to the whole world. And then within the nation, there are components of Israel, people of Israel who disbelieve in Christ. That's why they put them on the cross, right? They're disbelieving. There's a disbelieving component in the nation of Israel. And then there is a, uh, a, a component of Israel that's people of faith. Mm-hmm. The, their confidence rests in God and the Savior, the, the Messiah he's going to supply. And so I think when we talk about these things, we really have to talk about it from these three <laughs> facets. So when God is rebuking uh, Israel and Isaiah one, Micah, you and I have often liked Isaiah one for in different things that we've taught and you've used it before in, in worship teachings and stuff. But like when God is sharply rebuking the Israelites in Isaiah one for being idolaters and for not honoring him in their worship and not coming into the house of the Lord with proper sacrifices and all this stuff. This is, this is not Israel as a whole. And this is not Israel people of faith. These are idolaters. These are people who are worshiping idols, who are who have turned away from God, who want nothing to do with God. Mm-hmm. He is beckoning them and inviting them to a place of salvation. Yeah. Um, and I think what we would have to argue is just from the Old Testament kind of context, 
the majority of the prophetic texts deal with these kinds of people, the people who have turned away and want nothing to do with God. Yeah, which I think I think says a lot about the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Maybe Hosea is one of the best examples of mm-hmm. that, um, where he compares him to basically a prostitute and then um, basically woos, woos her back even after right. she's run after other lovers. That's pretty... Speaking of explicit stuff, there should be right. some ratings. Dude, some yeah, if, if you rate the Bible. We'd have to rate the Bible. Oh yeah. my gosh. Like even Ezekiel 16. Yeah. When he when he and says 23. Like, when he yeah. says, like, I've I've uh I've lifted your skirt and shown them your nakedness. I've always said I, I think that it's not a good enough it's not the the word's not intense enough, I think, compared to what or for what guys he's trying to say, like, I've shown them everything. I've shown them how well, I think probably what he's I mean, it's debatable. I think what he's trying to say is I've shown them how loose you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah, you're not, you're not the pure version that, you know, people think you are. So, but I think yeah. it's showing, those stories are showing the heart of God that even though there's this group of people as a whole of a nation that he calls my people, he calls them Israel. He calls them his chosen people, has a covenant with them. And, and even though there's a, probably I would say a large majority of that group of people who do not believe in God as the provision of salvation through the coming Messiah, um, he continually tries to woo them back because he had a purpose yeah. for that group of people as a whole. Yeah, and to be holy as he is holy, to be different, yep. um, to be <clears throat> to be a proclamation of who he is, and they continually over and over and over again messed up yep. in that in that picture. And God continually woos them back, and even is gracious enough to still fulfill His promise mm. to bring the Messiah through their line. Yep. in the in the midst of their sinfulness, yeah, and the rejection which of is, and their idolatry, which is part of the the reason that he does preserve the nation and yes. keep the nation, you know, and still uh, does the nation as a whole. It's, yeah. it's the reason that he's kept them intact and allowed them to continue to move forward. And he still has plans for them in the future. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's interesting when, when God through Joshua brings the people to the edge of the promised land. So I'm in Deuteronomy seven here, Deuteronomy nine. Uh, this is about, this is about, I don't know, 68 days-ish before they go into the promised land, 60-ish days before they go into the promised land, something like that. And uh, and uh, it's more than that to be 80. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, it does to me, but it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and so uh, he's about to bring the people into the promised land. And Moses says to them, he goes, don't think that God's bringing you into the promised land because you're righteous. He goes, you're a stiff-necked, stubborn people. <laughs> And he goes, but because of God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what's really interesting is the promise that God makes to Abraham, I'm going to give this land to your people. I'm going to make you into a nation. He repeats that with Isaac. And then he repeats that with Jacob. Uh, he, he gives that same promise to each of these three patriarchy, you know, the, of, of the, the Israel line. Like, that, like Israel isn't Israel when it goes into Egypt. It's Israel when it comes out of Egypt, you know? Um, and, and so... Uh, God has made this promise. And so what we see is that to the nation holistically, so here I'm talking about the nation as a whole, including people of faith and people who are idolaters. He says, you're coming into this promised land, not because you're righteous, not because you're good, not because you're a nation that's bigger than all the other nations, but because I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm going to keep it. And and so we're able to see God's, like you're saying, Micah, God's character in that. Mm-hmm. And that God has an intent, you know, that goes beyond this rebellious nation. Can you speak to, uh, maybe turn it a little bit, something I'm interested in. Um, there is a, a conversation that happens often now where people compare Christians to Israel based on some passages in Romans. And they equate what we would call Christians today as one-to-one with Israel or that some people even said we are the new Israel. Yeah. And because of that, they will, they will, <clears throat> because of that premise, that axiom, they will then go back to the Old Testament um, promises that God makes to Israel and say, these are actually promises that we claim, we can claim because they're, they're promises made to Israel and we are now the new Israel. Yeah. Um, so and maybe I'm asking it because I think it's important for us to know that there is a distinction between who we are now as people of faith yeah, um, and the nation of Israel as a whole, not specifically yeah. the Israelites who are of faith. Yeah. There's a little bit of distinction, I think there as well, but that's some, for another, maybe for another well, um, podcast. So I, you've said a lot and I want to answer it well. Don't let me ramble too far off. Steer okay. me, okay? So uh, Romans 9, 
Paul says, not all are descended, not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Where is this? Romans 9, verse 6. Okay. Uh, so a lot of people will use that because it, it goes on to say, um, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it's not the children of flesh who are the children of God, but the children of promise who are counted as offspring. Now, I want to be really, really careful here because the end of chapter 9 shows that the Gentiles have also been included in salvation. Yeah. which is a picture we see throughout the entire Bible when God tells Abraham um, that through him, the whole world will be blessed, that all the nations of the world will be blessed. That is the inclusion of the Gentiles in the gospel story. And so the conclusion of Romans 9, uh, Paul's going to quote a couple of Old Testament texts that show that the Gentiles are in fact included in this. But when Paul is saying this here at the beginning of Romans 9, it's not as though the word of God has failed. Not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Not all who are children are children of Abraham because they're his offspring. But through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. Therefore, it's not the children of the flesh, but the children of the promise. I believe that Paul here is speaking strictly of, of Israelites. Mm-hmm. He is only speaking of Israelites. And, and the, the reason that I would say that is because of the first five verses of Romans 9 where he talks about how he has sorrow, he has anguish in his soul, in his heart, because he wishes that he could be cut off from Christ for the sake of his brothers, his kinsmen, according to the flesh, the Israelites. To them belong the adoption, to them belong the... So he comes out of this, like the Israelites had the covenants, the Israelites had the prophets, the Israelites had the forefathers, the Israelites had Jesus. He goes, I could be cut off for for their sake so that they would all be saved. And he goes, but it's not as though God's word has failed. God's promise has failed. The promise to Abraham, the promise to Isaac. The pr- God, God's promise didn't fail because not all who number themselves among Israelites and not all who trace their lineage back to Abraham are actually people of faith. And so that's the distinction he makes, mm-hmm. right? And so what some people do, Michael, what you were referring to is that what some people do is they say, see, we're people of faith, ergo we're Israel. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point that Paul's making. Paul is making a specific point about Israel holistically. And there is the holistic nation of Israel. And out of that holistic nation, I'm looking at my hands like I have something in it. And you guys who aren't watching don't even know that, but it's how my brain works. And so it's a ball for whatever reason. And it's kind of goldish in color. it's how, I don't know. I'm a, I am it's there. I'm really, I think it was the seizure medicine when I was a kid, four <laughs> to seven years old. If, like someone gave you psychedelics at one point. <laughs> I had, I was on way too many drugs at six years old. It really screwed with my head. And we're just going to pretend that that's why I'm still. Or made you even go to dare, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, I thought I was Superman and could fly and <laughs> I could not. And anyway, so, so Paul is speaking about Israel holistically here. And he's recognizing that within holistic Israel, there are two groups of people, all of which can trace their lineage back to Abraham, all which can call themselves Israel. But then Paul says, but they're not actually children of Abraham and they're not actually people of Israel unless they're people of faith. And so this is not an an inclusion yet of the Gentiles. That's going to come at the very end of Romans 9 when he says, and the Gentiles also. So his point, let me just clarify. Yeah, please. Just so everybody can understand. What he's basically saying is there is the promise that was made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is that God would, um, well, one, bring the Messiah through them, but that, that they would also be his people. Yes. The covenant. And the, the covenant was holistically with the nation of Israel, but Paul's point here is that not everybody who just has the biological descendants of of the nation of Israel, of Abraham, right. Isaac, and Jacob, are actually the Israel that God made the promise to. Right. It's 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 to the people who were people of faith. Right. Maybe we could say, like in the Old Testament, potentially what God calls the remnants. Yes. Um, and I think I'll I'll jump a little bit. I think <clears throat> this is who um, Paul refers to later. Is it this chapter or the next chapter where he actually calls them the elect? Yeah. Um, is that ten? I don't know. It's in nine or 10. I bet it is nine. I'm looking. Sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Um, but I think, let me find it. I mean, he talks about it in verse 10 a little bit in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of who oh, that's calls. It. That's but there is also another, there's another verse I'm thinking of now, I think it might be actually chapter 10 now that I think about it, but that was one of them. Um, 
anyways, but there's, I think there's this, this, the idea is, and, and I know this is going to be like a hot topic and we'll actually do an episode on this coming up, but, um, I would say that at least this instance and probably most of the instances in the new Testament, when the word elect is used, it seems to be, again, seems to be referring to the specific group of Israelites who have put faith in God. Mm. That's who seems to be. Um, that's not the verse I was thinking of, 10, but there is another one. But that one I think is... <clears throat> Were you thinking about 11.7? Maybe it is 11. Yep, that's yeah. it. Yep. Which says, What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened as it was yeah. written. Believing Israel. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I think, I mean, at least in this particular instance, in, in 11.7, that's what I was thinking of. Thanks, Pierce. Mm-hmm. It seems to be like there's this group of people in the nation of Israel as a whole that God calls the elect. This is going to be one of the rare times that I stop you and say, it is not seems. It is 100%. Uh, And it's 100%. And I, what I love about you and and one of the things I've learned from you is to use language like seems and like, I think, Mm -hmm. and I feel like, um, but 100% because of the verses that precede that, the first six verses that precede that. I feel the same way too. um, Which which is telling us a story from First uh, Kings 18 and 19, well, 17, mm. 18, and 19. And it's, you, you have Elijah who is facing off with these, with these false prophets and priests of Baal. And he is in the northern kingdom of Israel. And all of Israel, right, this northern kingdom mm. has r- turned its back on God. And, and Elijah is like, is there anyone like who still bows the knee to God? Is there anyone? And at this point, so Elijah, uh, he faces off with these false prophets. He runs away. He goes to the mountain of God in, in first Kings 19, he's there on the mountain of God. He's like, just kill me. Like, I'm just done with all this. And God tells him there are 7,000 people in all of Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. They only serve me. And you go, oh, great. 7,000 people. I want to put this in perspective for you. At this point, the army of Israel was nearly 700,000. Just the army. Just the army, Hmm. which means way less than 1% of the population. Yeah. Way less. And then he says, he says, um, he goes at the same time, right? So uh, let me see it. Let me find it. Um, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Israel. Look at verse five. So too, at the present time, this is Romans 11. there is a remnant chosen by grace, right? Uh-huh. What then Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking, but the elect, this remnant chosen by grace, they've obtained it. Yep. And so the context immediately and also historically is Israel. And to insert all of Christendom into that, is stepping outside the context yeah. of the scripture. Yeah, agreed. So I I appreciate your delicate nature with seams. I just it, I'll, I'm I'm, I'm going to go 100. I'm with yeah. you on this one. I think the conversation for other people is going to lie in. Well, I think a lot of people would disagree with us on this, but not necessarily with us on this based on the context. They would disagree with us on this based on a um, theology that becomes the filter for this context. Right. I mm. don't have any problems yeah, that way. They would have to show us from the text, how this elect includes all believers yeah, and, and not a direct reference. Usually to what people do is they, they hear the word elect and they apply it across the board. And I think, I think it's important to remember that, that it, it is a, there's a possibility it's used in different contexts in different ways. I think I, again, I don't want to jump into that episode that we're going to do next month, but no. I am totally with you on this. It seems very obvious yeah. that the elects mentioned in Romans eleven seven is speaking of what we call the remnant in Israel, that these are actually Israelites who God's calling elects. Yes. And so I think the point is like, there's an understanding Israel as a whole, like when you're reading the old Testament, specifically the prophets, you've got to remember that, that God has a purpose for the nation of Israel as a whole. Right. And that they're the, at least the majority of Israel is not fulfilling that purpose because they haven't put faith in God as a provider of salvation through the coming Messiah. Right. But there is this group of people who have. Right. That God, that throughout the narrative of Israel, um, he, by his grace, in verse, what does he say that? In verse five, verse six, by his grace um, has has kept from bowing their knee to other gods, has right. kept as people who've put their faith in him. Um, and I think that the the important thing to remember is that's not, here's why I asked it. I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, like uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh gosh. Is, 
you know, God's promise to Israel. So we claim it as a promise to us. Well, they use first, uh, second Corinthians one twenty. as many as are the promises of God, they are all yes in Jesus Christ. So they use that as a blanket statement to say any promise God has ever yeah, made. Yeah. This yeah. is a different camp though, that I'm talking okay, about. Gotcha. That's like a more general. There's a camp of people who believe that we are now, we are now Israel mm-hmm. of, because we are people of faith. They will use Romans nine to talk about it that way. And then the, the conclusion is because of that, we claim all the blessings that God, mm-hmm. um, mm. Gave to Israel, which I always ask, and I'm still waiting for an answer on this um, from my friends. Like, if that's the case, shouldn't we also be worried about the curses of God that yeah. he proclaims to Israel? Yeah. Like, it can't be one and not the other. Yeah, 100%. So, and I'm still waiting for an answer. So, all of you people out there who are like, you know, this is hogwash, then answer, at least answer me that. If you're going to claim the promises of God to Israel in the Old Testament, why are you not claiming the curses of God as well in the Old Testament? I'd just really like to know. But point being, this, I believe we would all be in agreement on this, this, this idea of not all who are Israelites are of Israel. Right. In terms of not God's everybody who gene, uh, whose gene, genealogy is, true, is yeah. Abraham is, is Israel. His point is this isn't, this isn't Christians across the board in his context here. What he's saying is, is just because you're an Israelite doesn't mean you're someone of faith. Right. And you actually see Jesus talk about it this way in uh, John eight. I, I was going to get there. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Mm. Well, I, I was going to expand it a little bit and say that maybe what we could do, because this is used universally, people of faith, be it from, uh, or as Pierce always says, may it be, uh, may it <laughs> may be, be from, is that how you say it? May it be? I have no idea. I, I love Pierce. Yeah. It's one of, it's one of your <laughs> Piercisms. Uh, may it be from Israel or may it be from the Gentiles. One of the things that's consistent across the board is calling them sons of Abraham. Mm. Yes. Uh, and, and so a couple of examples from that, uh, we talk about this all the time. We like this text, Romans four, not that mm-hmm. there's a text we don't like, except for, as we said, a few episodes <laughs> like you ago, always say, this is my favorite. <laughs> and my it's favorite. always my favorite. I know. <laughs> yeah. Like the next one's your favorite to yeah, it is. Uh, so in Romans four, Abraham's faith was credited in him as righteousness. This was written not only for his sake, but for all who believe. Mm-hmm. And then now we have in Romans nine, just because you can prove your family tree goes back to Abraham, doesn't mean you're really a child of Abraham. So three really quick things. Ending in John 8, Micah, where you brought up, in Luke 13, there's a woman who's been bent in half for 18 years with a disabling spirit, and God heals her. Jesus heals her on the Sabbath, and this incites wrath and judgment against Christ by the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And he says to her, he says of them, he says, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? Now, when Jesus calls someone a son or daughter of Abraham, He is meaning person of faith, which we'll see in just a moment in John 8. Uh, In Luke 19, he talks about Lazarus. He comes to Lazarus's house and he says, salvation has come to this guy's house for he also is a son of Abraham. And so it speaks of the faith that Lazarus presumably put in Jesus that very moment. Mm. And now he's called a son of Abraham because of the faith he put in Christ. Uh, The the woman, it, it it seems like she was a daughter of Abraham. And so that's why this should have been done for her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then in John 8, and you, you, have, you have these guys who are coming to Jesus and um, he says to them, he says, you don't belong, you don't belong to Abraham. Because they, they're trying to say to him, like they're trying to prove to Jesus how good they are. And he goes, he goes, you don't belong to Abraham. And, and they're like, we're, we're not born of adultery. Of course we belong to Abraham. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, no, no, no. If you belong to Abraham, you'd know me, you'd love me. And, and then they try to trump him. They try to one-up him. And they say, well, we're, we're not children of Abraham. Then we're children of God. And he goes, nope, you're not that either. He goes, because <laughs> you would believe in me if you were children of God. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, and then he goes on to say, you're actually children of the devil. <laughs> uh, and, and so when Jesus calls someone a child of, of Abraham, or when Jesus calls someone a child of God, he's speaking of those people of faith. Yeah. And Abraham was one of those people. And Daniel was one of those people. And Jeremiah was one of those people. And Isaiah was one of those people. And Joshua and Moses seem to be those people as well. And so there are these people in the Old Testament who are part of holistic Israel, who weep over the sin of Israel, mm-hmm. who are faithful to God, who love the Lord, who have put their faith in his promises. And so we've got to be really careful. Like, I hear people who will say stuff like, man, well, allegorizing the text, they'll, they'll preach a text about idolatrous Israel. And then they'll say in front of a group of believers at church on Sunday, man, we're idolaters too. And it, and no, we're not, we are not. 
because the, the difference is these guys were not proclaiming God as God. Mm-hmm. They had nothing to do with him yeah. and they didn't believe his promises and they weren't looking for the Messiah. We are not like idolatrous well, Israel. I'd like to make a correlation. I, I think that, well, I think there is, I think a similar situation in what we call the church today. And I don't mean the church in, in a generic term of people who've put their faith in Jesus. I mean, in like uh, cultural Christianity mm-hmm. where we, I think we have lots of people that go to church that have never put faith in Jesus. Yes. And so I, I don't have any issue with calling things that happen in certain churches, idolatry. Sure. Um, in that same correlation or context. Um, I will, I will continue, continue to call it idolatry mm, to call it a, at least teetering on idolatry for churches who worship the United States of America on July 4th, Sunday. Yes. It is a, and I'm not, I, I mean, this is a little different conversation because I think there's Christians. I'm not calling these Christians like idolatrous people. I think that you are participating in the worship of something other than God. Yeah. Call that what you will. But I think what it's, it's a sobering reminder though for us today, like just because someone goes to church doesn't mean that they are a Christian. It's, just, yeah. it's almost the same conversation that, that he's having here. Just because you're a descendant of like genealogical Israel yeah. doesn't mean you're actually the people of promise, the people of faith. Just because mm-hmm. you go to church and have gone to church your entire life yeah. doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a person of faith. It doesn't make you someone who can be called a child of God. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. Like uh, I had said this, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago in, in my sermon that sometimes when you ask people like, what's the relationship with Jesus or do they know Christ? They'll say stuff like, well, I go to church. Yeah. I've been in church my whole life or my dad was a preacher. Yeah. And you're like, man, that is, that is not the answer. Well, that's, I think that's, that's part of the danger of, of not teaching the Bible from the Bible. Yeah. Is that we, we give people a false sense of, of where they're, um, where their hope is. Yeah. I think if they just can have a better life that here and now, that's, that's good. And what we need to give people literally is Jesus. Like that's what, when Jesus came, um, he was he was offering himself as the Messiah to, to people. I think John, I mean, John, yeah, John 4, maybe about, was one of the most beautiful pictures. Of, is that the, yes, the woman at the well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, John 4, where she's asking him, you know, she starts, when he reveals himself to her as the Messiah, he was like, if you actually took a drink of me, I'd give you life Living forever. Waters, yeah. Yeah. And she starts to ask him a question of religion, you know, like, well, well, you guys say it's better to worship in Jerusalem, but we say it's better to worship here in Samaria, which is better. And instead of him getting into a debate about religion with her, he actually answers her question by re- continuing to reveal himself as the Messiah. And I think too often we get sidetracked with conversations that um, debates even that don't have anything to do with Jesus. Like we're going to argue about the word elect, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to actually talk about Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's where you see a lot of modern day Christianity conversations happening is people are so worried about their camp that they forget that the goal the goal is Jesus. So if if you believe l- listen, there there're going to be some some people who completely disagree with our perspective on what this word elect how this word elect is being used in at least Romans. Yeah, just um, wait until we talk about it next month. Yeah. Um <laughs> the point being like if if that's the case let's let's continue to have a conversation about it but let's at least agree that the goal is still Jesus. Right. If we disagree on this word, the goal is still to proclaim the gospel right. to people who need to, to to need to know Jesus who right. did it again who need to uh need to hear the the redeeming grace of of life that can happen through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus came to do. That's what the prophets were God was sending the prophets to Israel to do is remind them of who he is. That's that's the narrative is God saying to a world that has completely rejected him I want to give you life Yeah, in the midst of your sinfulness. You're not capable of doing it on your own. I provided a way out. I just want mm-hmm. you to know me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think we forget too that like God's purpose for Israel was the to, to culminate in the gospel, was to culminate in salvation. Yeah. It's part of the story. And, and not God's purpose for Israel wasn't Israel, wasn't like to... Like he could have picked any nation. He could have made, he could have picked anybody and made anybody a nation. And he picked Abraham and he made him into a nation. Like God's allegiance isn't to Israel because they're Israel. Yeah. God's allegiance to Israel is because he has promised that through Israel, salvation will come to the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing everything they can to derail <laughs> his intent and his purpose. And he is, he is graciously keeping it moving forward and keeping yeah. his prophets and his prophetesses and his people who are people of faith. Yeah. He is, he is 
they're this, they're this line of people that we trace everything back through. And we go, man, these are the people that brought, you know, everything to the New Testament, brought the gospel mm-hmm. forward because these are the people who like continued to proclaim this goodness. And it's like Simeon and Anna in Luke, mm. when Jesus is presented at the temple at eight, eight days old, these are people who got it right away. Yeah. He had been waiting. Yeah. He had mm-hmm. been waiting. Yeah. And he got it. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus' own disciples, 33 years later, when Jesus died, they're like, well, we thought he was the guy, but I guess not. Mm-hmm. Like Simeon yeah. sees eight-day-old Jesus yeah. and goes, dude, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. this is the guy, you know? He is destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel. Like, he's like, oh, man, you know, it's so good. And Anna uh, holds him and, like, you know, proclaims a blessing. And it's just... Uh, what we have, like, I think what we need to understand is that the nation of Israel holistically, like every significant thing that God has ever done has happened in that, what, 120 mile long piece of land. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which is still, which is still people fighting over it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when Christ returns and sets up his kingdom um, and, and is the temple from Ezekiel, you know, 47 that we talked about a little bit before in one of the other podcasts, like when, when that comes to happen, that's going to happen there. Yeah. The two witnesses will be in Jerusalem. Like the, the abomination of desolation will be overthrown in Jerusalem. Like the temple of God will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. And like, I mean, like it's, it's going to happen there. God is, is bringing this story to a, a head. And what's really interesting is uh, people use it wrong all the time because like we said before, they allegorize the text. But in in Romans eleven twenty nine, it says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And out of context, people use that to talk about like, for example, I'm an artist and people say, look, God made you an artist. And you, I took 15 years off after college and people would use this kind of thing for me and say, you know, God's calling on you is irrevocable. You gotta, you, you gotta be an artist. I had somebody ask me recently, like, uh, were you made to be a preacher? Like, did you have to be a preacher? Like, they're like, you had to have been like that. You had to have been. I was like, I don't think so. I don't think I had to be a preacher. Like I love Jesus. I love the word. I, I could love Jesus and love the word and, you know, trade crypto all the time. Right. You know? And, and, uh, mm. yeah. Uh, but like, I am a preacher and I'm passionate about that. You don't think you're like one of the Ephesians four? Like, what do you mean? I mean, I feel like Ephesians four specifically sets out a group of people that God has like to use whatever term you want to use, like called, set apart for the sake. He calls them a, he calls them a gift to the church. Yeah. I, I think I am now. I, I don't know that I would say of myself like Paul, like the Bible says about Paul, that he was set apart to preach the gospel from the womb. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? I don't know. You know, like maybe, you know, but my point being like, there's a lot you can do and honor Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're you know? trying to say like for most people, like don't try to be, a, don't wait to be till, till you're a preacher to start. Yeah. To start living. So, but people would say stuff like this, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And they'd say that to me about maybe my gift of preaching or writing or whatever. Like, you know, God's called you to do this. You got to do it. It, It's a nice sentiment. I appreciate the sentiment. It's not what it means. Here it's talking about Israel as a nation who's been hardened so that the Gentiles could be brought in. And Israel has been hardened. I just... if you want more information on this, I just preached this uh, last month. It's on our on our church's podcast. I've been going through Romans. I finished up Romans a, a week or so ago, and so like you can go and listen to this sermon on Romans eleven. But but um, but the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. It's Israel's been hardened for a little while. In verse twenty five, until the full number of Gentiles will be brought in, and then he's saying, "But the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable." Meaning, what God has declared for the nation of Israel, what God has promised for Israel holistically, he's still going to do. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to waken them up. Like the 144,000, and I, I feel like there's two groups of 144,000 in Revelation. It might be two different things about the same group. Either way, this is Israel being awakened back to the the truth of who Christ is, and and which coming. is amazing that he's he's still being gracious because he's still yeah. using he's still using them for his purpose yes. in spite of their rejection of him. Yes, constant rejection of him. And will to the end, like we've mentioned this, I don't remember how many episodes ago, but uh, we really think that the uh, the description of the temple in the end of Ezekiel, um, towards the end of Ezekiel, is is not the temple, the current temple then, but it is a temple that will be built right. yeah. later that um, that God is going to you know interact with seemingly yeah. the nation of Israel. Actually, other nations seem to be coming as well. Yeah, in that text, but like yeah, we we think that that falls into the thousand year reign. Yeah, yeah. But that God still is using Israel 
um, yep. as a the holistic Israel. Yep. But at that point, seemingly God has brought the whole nation of Israel, probably that exists at the time, to a place where now they are part of what we would call. They're not well. It's even hard to say remnant because it's a whole different group. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're people of faith at that point. Yeah, who mm-hmm. put their faith in God. Yeah, he brings the nation of Israel back. So God is constantly showing his faithfulness to Israel in spite of their rejection of him. Yeah, I think what we have to be careful to do, or careful not to do, is lump people of faith in Israel in with the idolatrous Israel in with the nation of Israel. Mm. Like we, we can't do that. We've got to be smarter than that. Like, um, if if I say my family, you know, then probably most of the time I'm talking about Michelle and the boys. If I said every Saturday we have lunch with Michelle's family, I don't mean me and the boys. I mean, Michelle's entire family, her mom, her sister, her brother, sister-in-law, you know, like their kids, right? Like, um, when I say that we just, uh, a few weeks ago, we went and saw my family like, obviously, I'm not speaking of Michelle and the boys. I'm speaking, you know what I mean? Like, I'm speaking of, because uh, over spring break, we went and spent some time with my mom and her husband, Greg, and saw my sister and her kids. And like, like that's what I'm, I don't know. Like, we do that all the time. And yet, for whatever reason, when we come to the Bible and we get dumb. And we're like, you know, <laughs> well, you know, like, we think, we think that Isaiah is lumped in with the, I'll just tell you one of my favorite stories that I think separates all these people uh, Israel holistically, the, uh, at this point, there's just Judah left. It's, it's in Jeremiah. Babylon is threatening to come and take them all away. And Jeremiah, the prophet, gets up in front of them all and says, don't resist. Don't resist Babylon. Like, this is God's discipline on you. This is God's judgment on you for turning away from him. And there are people within Judah uh, Jerusalem who are weeping over the sin of the people. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, when, when Nebuchadnezzar comes, go with him, submit to him and go and live in Babylon for the 70 years. And the people who are grief stricken over the sin of the nation, like you see this in Daniel, you see this in Nehemiah, Daniel and Nehemiah weren't these heinous sinners. These were faithful people who were in captivity, who were weeping over the sin of, of yeah. Israel, the nation. Right. Yeah. And, and he says, so Jeremiah says, when he comes, submit to that discipline of God, go and be trained by it, and God will preserve you there, mm-hmm. and he'll protect you there, and he'll bring you back. And he says, if you don't go, God's going to kill you all. <laughs> and, and so there were the people like Daniels and the Nehemiahs and those guys who went, and then there was a whole group of people who stayed behind. They're like, no, 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 we're, gonna, we're God's people. We're going to stay behind. And God goes, all right, well, I'll send Nebuchadnezzar to kill you all. Like, You yeah. know what I mean? Like, It's just... Their ego, like we we see a group of people through the prophets who are still submitting themselves to God. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel was a young man when he got taken into captivity. He was an older teenager or young 20s probably, but he's he's taken into captivity as a young man. He he's not responsible for his parents' sin, but because God says, This is what I'm gonna do, this is what I'm gonna do for my people right now. I'm gonna discipline them, I'm gonna train them by it. Daniel goes, Okay, I'll submit to that and I'll serve you, God, faithfully, and I'm still gonna pray to you three times a day. And like his heart was still for God, you know? Ezra's heart still for God, Nehemiah's heart still for God. Like, and and we we can't say that these people were part of rebellious Israel. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. And and so there's Israel as they, a whole. They, because they were part of the nation of Israel as a whole, they still suffered the consequences right. um, of the punishment or discipline of God in those. So, like, right. even but they actually did it. They actually submitted themselves right. to it. Yeah. So, even though there's there is that distinction, I think there's there's the overlap is that they they were all still part of what we call the the nation or the people of Israel. Yeah. yeah. As a whole, as a as a people group, as a nation, as a race. Right. Yeah. And then, so they're part of Israel by genealogy, but these people who are weeping and grieving over it are sons of Abraham, people mm-hmm. of promise, whereas the people who are rejecting God out of the nation holistically are, are people of flesh, right. and they have rejected God. Right. Mm-hmm. I like how Paul talks about in Galatians, is it Galatians 4, where he talks about the two mountains? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it 3? Yeah. 4? Well, four, you're talking about yeah. Hagar and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's 4. Yeah, Galatians 4. I think that's that's a I think that's a great way to think about that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the people of present Jerusalem, yeah, those who are in slavery, uh-huh. and then the new Jerusalem, those who are under, uh, who have come to know Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just two mountains, I think, is such a. You you just kind of see that imagery throughout the scripture as yeah. well. That's a whole mm-hmm. other yeah. podcast too. But 
Um, yeah. I think it's a great way to look at it. So I think the important thing to remember is that um, God had a plan for Israel. Still does. Um, still does. Um, and that you you can't lump everybody together. You got to remember that there is this distinguishing group of people in the narrative of Israel who are what Paul calls the remnant mm-hmm. or what, what he seems to call the elect mm-hmm. um, that God preserved by his grace who are people of faith, children of Abraham by that faith who um, God preserved to fulfill his, his mm-hmm. purpose. And now we are people of faith, but it's not equated to Israel in the sense of, or we would say we would have a hard time saying that because we are people of faith now called children of Abraham, that we claim all the promises that God made to mm-hmm. Israel in the old Testament. Israel, the nation. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And while that's way to, while on paper, it may seem that we have complicated things by taking the term Israel and adding categories to it. <laughs> That's true. We've actually <laughs> simplified it for you because in essence, there's so much confusion and we've, we've, or there, there, there can potentially be confusion um, by applying a thought about Israel um, wrongly whenever, right. whenever, whenever That's Israel, true. whenever Israel gets, gets brought up. And yeah. so it's, it's to, to use the terminology that you've used a lot in the past in our conversations, Ryan, I think you used it a few episodes ago. It gets to the point where you have to use, um, gymnastics when, when, uh, when trying to connect certain passages yeah. together. And so even though what we've done is we've, uh, we've broken down the, what, what, what was the, what was the three categories to use the same language? There's the people of faith. There's Israel as a nation. This is, there's the P the Israelites of the people of faith and there's the disbelieving Israel. Right. Um, complicating it by giving it three categories. We're actually simplifying it for you guys, for understanding of the scripture, for understanding of Israel so, as so a whole. So you don't read Isaiah yeah. as this is what God's saying to believers. Absolutely. Yeah. And so so yeah, don't don't point. don't look yeah. at this as like as information overload, but thinking of like, oh thank goodness, now I can take this and yeah. as I'm reading the scripture, as I'm talking about Israel, I can think, okay, well what category does this fall into yep. when they're when they're discussing Israel? How is this how is this playing out? Um, if they're talking about sons of Abraham, if they're talking about yeah. Israel as a nation, if they're talking about the people of faith. And so you can kind of fit into those categories and therefore understand the context way more easily yeah. than just bringing in the entirety of the nation or the entirety of the history into every single text where Israel's brought up. Um, it's way more simpler. Yeah. Like uh, one last thing, um, Ezekiel 9. Uh, this is a real clear picture of that. God is talking about Israel. The spirit of God has just left Jerusalem. The people are going into captivity. Uh, and in Ezekiel 9, God says he has six warriors, each with weapons of destruction, and one guy with a linen writing case and a piece of chalk. And he says to the guy with the linen writing case, go throughout all of Jerusalem and find everybody who's grief-stricken over the sin, everybody mm-hmm. who's broken, everybody whose heart still turned to me and put a mark on them. The guy comes back and says, I did it. And then Jesus or uh, angel of the Lord, probably <laughs> Jesus, angel of the Lord says, okay, now go through. He says to the six warriors, now go kill everybody who doesn't have the mark. Mm-hmm. These are people of the nation of Israel holistically divided into two categories, yeah. those who are sons of Abraham and those who are disbelieving. Mm-hmm. And so don't be, please be careful how you read the Old Testament and don't go, oh, he's talking to Israel. Therefore he's talking to believers. Mm-hmm. Like that's a dangerous, dangerous approach to your reading because yeah. it's going to make you land in a lot of really wrong places, which Absolutely. is what you're saying, Pierce. That's how we're making it simpler. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Speaking of danger, Steven's over there. Hey, <laughs> we are at the Garden Audio as always. Um, go follow at the garden audio and on, uh, on Instagram, go tell Steven what a brilliant job he did with this episode, man. It sounds amazing. You hear that? Wow. I'm so crisp. I sound so good. That's all because of Steven. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you can hear that solid beat thrown by Micah. Oh, what do we say it was? It was jazzy a few episodes ago. Yeah, yeah that's right. It <laughs> but it's yeah. apparently my one weakness now in, <laughs> in speaking. Um, so yeah, go check him out. While you're over there on social media, give at SimplerPod a follow on Instagram and Facebook. While you're over there, or if you're in the show notes, you will see the the link to the Simpler Conference. That's right. This year, we got the first ever Simpler Conference, May 13th and 14th, limited to 100 spots, and each spot's only 10 
$5. So you're going to want to get registered. If there's any spots left, go get registered right now. If there's no spots left, then I'm so sorry. But while you're at social media, give us a follow. That's where you'll see clips. That's where, that's where you'll see updates. You'll be able to follow along. And if you're follow along there, if you're subscribed everywhere, that means you won't miss out next year because this is something you're going to want to be a part of. The Simpler Conference. Get your spot. Get reserved. You're going to want to Get here to be a part of it. It's in San Angelo, Texas at the 456 Church. Um, and that way, if you are from afar, you can travel here. Come be a part of it that weekend. It's going to be a great time. We're having six sessions, diving in, getting simpler. There's going to be a simpler live where you're going to be able to be a part of the episode. Steven's going to be there. It's going to be a good time, man. And his essence. And his <laughs> essence. Yeah. So, Come to the Simpler Conference. It's going to be a good time. Be sure to get registered online. Find the link in the show notes. Find the link on social media. And as always, keep crisis core. What could be simpler than that? We will catch you guys next week. Peace. Bye. Adios. I can't stop it for nine seconds.